as we celebrate the birth of Christ this morning, as we think about our own lives, what did Christ do for us? You know, when we, we stop and think about that, not only this year, I mean, that's, it's harder for us older people to think too far back, but <laughs> I can remember way back, but not what happened yesterday, right? But what did Jesus' life mean to us? And that's what this message is going to be about this morning. But before we get started, um, we're going to pray. But I also want to make sure that we understand that as we um, have, have been going through and talking about all of the pieces of Advent, um, we'll be doing that as well. And before we get started, let's go ahead and give this time to the Lord. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the, your love for us. Um, we just can't fathom it. You sent us your own son to die for us because you love us so much. You care for us. You want us to be close to you. That's how you designed us. That's what you want from each one of us. And Lord, I pray this morning as we talk about the birth of your son, that all that we say and do would be glorifying to your holy name. We pray these things in your son Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so for each of us that have been following the Advent um, this morning, we're going to light the fifth candle. The fifth candle is the light of Christ. I should have probably tested this out first. There we go. And if you'll notice that that candle is the highest and it is in the middle. Because that's where Christ sits within our lives, I hope, right? And I'm going to sit down while I do this because I got lots to read. And I don't know if you've ever tried um, reading standing up, but it's not very easy. So I'm going to read a poem first. This poem is from Carol Owens, and it's, it's titled, How Should a King Come? So how should a king come? Even a child knows the answer, of course, in a coach of gold with a pure white horse. In a beautiful city in the prime of the day, and the trumpet should cry, and the crowds make way. And the flags fly high in the morning sun, and the people all cheer for the sovereign one. And everyone knows that's the way it's done. That's the way that a king should come. How should a king come? Even a commoner understands he should come for his treasures and his house and lands. He should dine upon summer strawberries and milk and sleep upon bedclothes of satin and silk. And high on a hill his castle should glow with the lights of the city like jewels below. And everyone knows that's the way it's done. That's the way that a king should come. How should a king come? On a star-filled night into Bethlehem, Rode a weary woman and a worried man. And the only sound in the cobblestone street was the shuffle and the ring of their donkey's feet. And a king lay hid in a virgin's womb, and there were no clouds, crowds to see him come. At last in a barn in a manger of hay, he came and God incarnate lay. And the angels cried, glory, glory to God. Glory, glory to God. Men were dumb, so the angels sang. 
Glory, glory to God. Peace on earth, goodwill to men. Glory, glory to God. Christ is born in Bethlehem. Glory to God, glory in the highest. Glory to God, glory in the highest. Glory to God. This morning, as we look at the birth of Christ, you know, it's important for us all to look at what Christ has accomplished, not only on earth, but let's make it personal. What has he done in our own lives? Why are we celebrating him? Um, You know, Jesus had to be born for many reasons, and we're going to talk about a few of them. Because the more I studied this, this list got really, really long. (laughs) Christ has done so much. But Jesus had to be born because God wanted to reveal his own character to humanity, to us, to humans, to people. Embodied in God is the character of love. And God demonstrated this character to man by giving his only begotten son. Jesus had to be born to remove the sins of humans through a perfect sacrifice. Jesus had to be born for mankind to have a mediator. Jesus is the mediator of the new covenant. Jesus had to be born to provide the promised seed of Abraham. God made promises. He had to fulfill those promises. Jesus had to be born for God to make his spirit available to all mankind. If you've accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, that spirit resides in you. We are his temple. Jesus had to be born for God to redeem mankind. And for the reasons that we just looked at, we just talked about, I want you to personify this. You're the sole reason for Christ being born. So as God was preparing my heart to uh, give this message for us this morning, he was directing words to reveal not only why he was born, but with this knowledge should come understanding on our part. And then through this understanding, each of our lives should be changed. And when life is changed, it begins to reflect the grace of God. This life then reflects understanding, which leads to, I hope, action on the believer's part. Those actions will be in how we respond to others, how we talk, where our priorities line. And of course, that should be to the word of God. Look at a couple of scriptures this morning in 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 10 and 11. It says, as each have received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's very grace. Whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God. Whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To him belong the glory and the dominion forever and ever. Amen. 
Colossians chapter 3, verses 14 through 16. And it says, And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you are called in one body. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. So this morning, we're looking at God's grace. We're looking at God's love in our lives. So I'm going to be reading a little illustration for us to pull these things together, but we're going to be looking at God's patience, his peace, his work in our lives, and in part, the purpose of what we believe to be the Christmas spirit. So this is a, a story, unknown author, called uh, The Best Christmas Ever. It's an illustration for us to start looking at what has God done in our lives? What is the birth of Christ? How has it affected us? And for those of you that are in my classes, I always give fun illustrations. This should be a good one. There we go. Pa had never much compassion for the lazy or those who squandered their means and then never had enough for the necessities. But for those who were genuinely in need, his heart was as big as, the all out, as, as, big as all outdoors. It was from him that I learned the greatest joy in life comes from giving, not from receiving. It was Christmas Eve, 1881. I was 15 years old and feeling like the world had caved in on me because there just hadn't been enough money to buy me the rifle that I'd wanted so bad that year for Christmas. We did the chores early that night. For some reason, I just figured Paul wanted a little extra time so we could read in the Bible. So after supper was over, I took my boots off and stretched out in front of the fireplace and waited for Pa to get down the old Bible. I was still feeling sorry for myself, and to be honest, I wasn't in much of a mood to read the scriptures. But Pa didn't get the Bible. Instead, he bundled up and went outside. I couldn't figure it out because we had already done all the chores. I didn't worry about it, though. I was too busy wallowing in self-pity. Soon, Pa came back in. It was a clear, cold night, and there was ice in his beard. Come on, Matt, he said. Bundle up good. It's cold tonight. I was really upset then. Not only was I wasn't I getting the rifle for Christmas. Now Pa was dragging me out in the cold and for no earthly reason that I could see. We'd already done all the chores and I couldn't think of anything else that needed doing, especially not on a night like this. But I knew Pa was not very patient at one dragging one's feet when he told him to do something. So I got up and put my boots back on and got my cap and coat and mittens Ma gave me a mysterious smile as I opened the door to leave the house. Something was up, but I didn't know what. Outside, I became even more dismayed. There in front of the house was the work team, already hitched to the big sled. Whatever it was we were going to do wasn't going to be a short, quick little job. 
I could tell. We never hitched up the big sled unless we were going to haul a big load. Pa was already up in the seat, reins in hand. I reluctantly climbed up beside him. The cold was already biting at me. I wasn't happy. When I was on, Paul pulled the sled around the house and stopped in front of the woodshed. He got off and I followed. I think we'll put the high sideboards, he said. Here, help me. The high sideboards, it had been a bigger job than I wanted to do with just the low sideboards on. But whatever it was we were going to do would be a lot bigger with the high sideboards on. When we had exchanged the sideboards, Paul went into the woodshed and came out with an armful of wood. The wood I'd spent all summer hauling down from the mountain and then all fall sawing into blocks and splitting. What was he doing? Finally, I said something. Pa, I asked, what are you doing? You been by the Widow Jensen's lately, he asked. The Widow Jensen lived about two miles down the road. Her husband had died a year or so before and left her with three children, the oldest being eight. Sure, I'd been by, but so what? Yeah, I said, why? I rode by just today, Pa said. Little Jakey was out digging around in the woodpile trying to find a few chips. They're out of wood, Matt. That's all he said, and then he returned and went back into the woodshed for another armload of wood. I followed him. We loaded the sled so high I began to wonder if the horses would be able to pull it. Finally, Paul called a halt to our loading. Then we went to the smokehouse. Pa took down a big ham and a side of bacon. He handed them to me and told me to put them in the sled and wait. When he returned, he was carrying a sack of flour over his right shoulder and a smaller sack of something in his right hand. What's in the little sack, I asked. Shoes. They're out of shoes. Little Jakey just had gunny sacks wrapped around his feet when he was out in the woodpile this morning. I got the children a little candy, too. Just wouldn't be Christmas without a little candy. We rode the, t rode the two miles to Widow Jensen's pretty much in silence. I tried to think through what Pa was doing. We didn't have much by worldly standards. And of course, we didn't have a big woodpile. Or we did have a big wood pile, but most of that, what was left over now, was still in the form of logs that I would have to saw into blocks and split before we could use it. We also had meat and flour, so we could spare that, but I knew we didn't have any money. So why was Pa buying them shoes and candy? Really, why was he doing any of this? Widow Jensen had closer neighbors than us. It shouldn't have been our concern. We came in from the blind side of the Jensen house and unloaded the wood as quickly as possible. Then we took the meat and flowers and shoes to the door. We knocked. The door opened a crack and a timid voice said, Who is it? Lucas Miles, ma'am, and my son Matt. Could we come in for a bit? Widow Jensen opened the door and let us in. She had a blanket wrapped around her shoulders. The children were wrapped in another and were sitting in front of the fireplace by a very small fire that hardly gave off any heat at all. Widow Jensen fumbled with a match and finally lit the lamp. 
We brought you a few things, ma'am, Pa said, and set down the sack of flour. I put the meat on the table. Then Pa handed her the sack that had the shoes in it. She opened it hesitantly and took the shoes out one pair at a time. There was a pair for her and one for each of the children. Sturdy shoes, the best shoes that would last. I watched her carefully. She bit her lower lip to keep it from trembling. And then tears filled her eyes and started running down her cheeks. She looked up at Pa like she wanted to say something, but it wouldn't come out. We brought a load of wood too, ma'am, Pa said. Then he turned to me and said, Matt, go bring in enough wood to last for a while. Let's get that fire up to size and heat this place up. I wasn't the same person when I went back to bring in the wood. I had a big lump in my throat. And much as I hate to admit it, there were tears in my eyes too. In my mind, I kept seeing those three kids huddled around the fireplace and their mother standing there with tears running down her cheeks and so much gratitude in her heart that she couldn't speak. My heart swelled within me and a joy filled my soul that I'd never known before. I'd given it Christmas many times before, but never when it had made so much difference. I could see we were literally saving the lives of these people. I soon had the fire blazing and everyone's spirits soared. The kids started giggling when Paul handed them each a piece of candy. And Widow Jensen looked on with a smile that probably hadn't crossed her face for a long time. She finally turned to us. God bless you, she said. I know the Lord himself has sent you. The children and I have been praying that he would send one of his angels to spare us. In spite of myself, the lump returned to my throat and the tears welled up in my eyes again. I'd never thought of Pa in those exact terms before, but after Widow Jensen mentioned it, I could see that it was probably true. I was sure that a better man than Pa had never walked the earth. I started remembering all the times he'd gone out of his way for Ma and me and many others. The list seemed endless as I thought on it. Pa insisted that everyone try on the shoes before we left. I was amazed when they all fit. I wondered how he had known what sizes to get. Then I guessed that if he was on an errand for the Lord, the Lord would make sure he got the right sizes. Tears were running down Widow Jensen's face again when we stood up to leave. Pa took each of the kids in his big arms and gave them a hug. They clung to him and didn't want us to go. I could see that they missed their pa, but I was glad that I still had mine. At the door, Pa turned to Widow Jensen and said, the missus wanted me to invite you and the children over for Christmas dinner tomorrow. The turkey will be more than the three of us can eat, and a man can get cantankerous if he has to eat turkey for too many meals. <laughs> we'll be by to get you about 11. It'll be nice to have some little ones around again. Matt here hasn't been little for quite a spell. I was the youngest. My two older brothers and two older sisters were all married and had moved away. 
Widow Jensen nodded and said, thank you, Brother Miles. I don't have to say, may the Lord bless you, for I know for certain that he will. Out on the sled, I felt a warmth that came from deep within. I didn't even notice the cold. When we'd gone a ways, Pa turned to me and he said, Matt, I want you to know something. Your Ma and me have been tucking a little money away here and there all year so we could buy that rifle for you. But we didn't have quite enough. Then yesterday, a man who owed me a little money from years back came to make things square. Your Ma and me were really excited, thinking that now we could get you that rifle. And I started into town this morning to do just that. But on the way, I saw little Jakey out scratching in the woodpile with his feet wrapped in those gunny sacks, and I knew what I had to do. Son, I spent the money for shoes and a little candy for those children. I hope you understand. I understood, and my eyes became wet with tears again. I understood very well, and I was so glad Pa had done it. Just then, the rifle seemed very low on my list of priorities. Pa had given me a lot more. He'd given me the look on Widow Jensen's face and the radiant smiles of her three children. For the rest of my life, whenever I saw any of the Jensen's or split a block of wood, I remembered, and remembering brought back that same joy. I felt riding home beside Pa that night. Pa had given me much more than a rifle that night. He'd given me the best Christmas of my life. So as a example story or an illustration, we all got to hear this story, and it's interesting because each of us were able to pick out the different characters in this story, and each of us, one character we related to closer than, say, the others. You know, it's interesting how we ourselves apply our lives to this story. We can relate to the son or the father, but how do we rate, relate with the mother or the children? You know, God has taught each of us by our interaction of the life that we've each lived. I can relate to the children as I was raised in a family going through similar hardships. And you may relate to the story because of things that have also happened to you in your lives. But when we can step back and truly look at the things done in this story, the gift the son wanted but did not receive, we can all relate. You know, our wants and our needs. Hopefully we can all see how God uses these situations to compare our greatest gift that we've ever received. And I'm hoping for each of you, it is the Son of God, it is Jesus. So this Christmas, we're brought back to the realization that our God uses us for his works, making a difference in the lives of those around us. But not always in the way we might think or the way we might hope. In this story, Matt didn't get the present that he wanted so much, but God gave him so much more. 
When I think of the gift that God has given us, I know it is the gift that keeps on giving. So please, as we stop and welcome and share one another's and our families today, remember the greatest gift ever given. Grasp it and hold on to Christ our Savior. He's alive. He's sitting at the right hand of the Father. He loves us so much more than we can even imagine. So it's important to understand that the sole reason for celebrating this day is specifically to celebrate the reasons surrounding the birth of Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you again for the time this morning that we can talk with one another uh, about you, about your word, things that you've asked us to do. Lord, we pray you'd open our hearts this morning and allow us to show your joy that lives through us to those people around us, especially our family and our friends, this family of believers here in, at Peninsula Baptist too. Father, I pray that you would let us open our hearts with the love that you have shown to us. Pray for the rest of this day as we celebrate the birth of your son. We pray these things in your son Jesus' name. Amen.